0: Reece here, Reece Pye, author of the Strong Minds Personal Leadership Development Products, including the online course, playbook, and obviously podcasts like this. Uh, this particular podcast is entitled, Are You a Manager with the Courage to Follow Your Convictions? And it follows on from the podcast and article last week, you don't have to motivate good people, just stop demotivating them. I'd like to kick this one off with a question. How many managers have you worked for with a kind of courage that earns the loyalty of their people by doing the right thing by them? And of course, can you or will you count yourself in that number going forward? Although this podcast is intended predominantly for management grades, the examples laid out in it demonstrate that anyone can, in fact, gain in terms of achieving out of the ordinary results from having the courage to follow their convictions and do the right thing rather than being just another average manager who follows the herd mentality. Managers with such courage often earn the accolade of hero to their people. But what does it mean exactly and how can it best be applied to lift people and results? Contrary to common belief, courage is not just the way that someone deals with fear. a character trait that ensures people know what you stand for, that you have their back so to speak and that they can be sure you'll do the right thing, even though it might hurt you personally at times. A manager who demonstrates such character not only sets the standard that people are happy to follow, i.e. true leadership, but can also earn levels of unshakable loyalty and significantly lift the team or company performance. Take the following True life scenarios of management and leadership courage. I've changed the names, but the stories are actual. Actual factual. The first example is a Bucking Convention. And yes, I did say a Bucking Convention, although there have been times when I've replaced the B with an F. But uh, anyway, these are managers who have the courage to buck convention and conventional management thinking, which tend to deliver conventional. Um, I average results because convention for me is just a different way to spell average. So here we go, Chris is head of a unit working in an environment of market decline as traditional revenues are being migrated to digital alternatives. Despite the severe challenges, Chris is asked, a polite way of being told, to make up ground that other channels within the company are forecasted to miss. Chris is told in no unlikely terms this team will need to get off to a fast start as speed is critical and then keep driving the team to reach the finish line. So with that message delivered by the senior management team what does Chris do? He stops all activities, pulls his team together, outlines the requirements, gets buy-in, agrees on a route forward (coughs) which is to slow down, plan all client accounts thoroughly, identify any and all opportunities to defend and add to revenues and then implement with power and persistence. Chris's attitude is that his team are not slaves to be driven but people to be guided, supported, developed, inspired and he does this from the outset thereby cementing the trust that he'd already built over the previous five years in leading the team. So what was the result? Early on Chris. Um, was subjected to intense pressure uh, from above because early results didn't show. But but momentum was built and improvements came until the team ended the year with 111% achievement of the multi-million pound uh, stretch target. Quality improved, or quality proved more important than speed. Chris knew this. He held his nerve and had the courage to defy conventional thinking that would have damaged results instead of improving them. in a nutshell he held his nerve, he held the team together and he cushioned them from the pressure above so that they could concentrate on what they were hired to do, do a great job. So my question to you is, what conventional management practices do you follow that just don't sit well with you or get the results you want? Why not challenge them? What would happen if you did the opposite or at least took a new perspective to an old way of doing things? For example, so instead of speeding up, slowing down and making sure you're going in the right direction like Chris did. Example number two being called out. So this example is um, around managers who have the courage to be called out by the people that matter most as a way to improve themselves their direct reports and ultimately the collective results so a team of over 2000 sales managers take part in a coaching program where they're asked to rate themselves self-image, against core competencies and then get their people to rate them, i.e. reality. This wasn't the typical 360-degree type surveys that provide superficial results, but collaborative one-to-one conversations between managers and direct reports, without the fear of senior management looking down their microscopes or interfering. The managers uh, feel in control and they know they have the coaching backup of the change manager and that they'll be challenged respectfully and constructively. Key development areas are identified. The sales managers enlist the help of their own people to keep them on track, but also identify areas that their direct reports can improve on too. So it's a win-win situation. So what was the result, the outcome? Well, collaboration, morale, productivity and culture all improved at lightning speed, and sales revenues jumped by 9%, 9%. Which was equivalent to over 4 million on the bottom line for the business. The majority of improvements came from the 60% of the previously middle performing managers, however, um, and their teams, and not the top 20% or the bottom 20%. A factor many businesses and managers actually ignore because they spend most of their time trying to manage the bottom 20% out or praising the top 20% and ignoring the opportunities and sometimes that competitive advantage that the 60% of middle performers can offer through improvements. So here's a challenge of your courage in this respect if you're up for it. How would you rate your leadership skills on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being absolutely top notch against competencies like organizing, planning, communication, delegation, coaching, counselling, directing, supporting, problem solving, decision making, inclusion and team participation? stress management, motivating, inspiring, or any others that are relevant to your role. And then, once you've rated yourself, are you courageous enough to ask your people to rate you and what they value most from you as a manager or, in fact, value least? And ask the question from a forward-looking perspective uh, rather than one looking back, i.e., what could I be doing better rather than what am I doing badly? Or how can I help you going forward rather than, what do I do that demotivates you? Example number three, stand up. These are managers who have the courage to stand up for what they know to be right and to do the right thing, even though it may be uncomfortable. So two senior execs pull a team of professional account managers into a room for agreeing about their results. The team leader is told to stay quiet and let the two senior managers handle it. At end outcome. It became obvious in the meeting that the aim was to frighten the team into action, i.e. old-fashioned bullshit scare tactics. After the meeting, one particular account manager promptly went off sick with stress. Emily, the team leader, was advised by one of the senior execs to sack him when and if he returned to work. and She did exactly the opposite. And A. Kept in close contact with the account manager whilst he was off to understand his situation and his intentions. B. Based on this understanding, she reassured him that she would cushion any pressure going forward so that he could concentrate on his own performance and get back to where he needed to be. And C. She set up a rehab plan for when he got back. In short, the rehab plan worked. The account manager outlasted the senior execs in the company. (laughs) He became a solid ally for Emily, including taking on extra responsibilities and he made sure his colleagues knew how he'd been supported and treated by his team leader, which built massive respect and loyalty across the team because they knew the team leader, Emily, would do the right thing by them, regardless of pressure from above. To quote Confucius, perceiving what is right and doing it not reveals a lack of courage, in other words, cowardice. So my question to you is, have you ever stood down when you knew in your heart that you should have stood up. And what will you do next time? Will you be the person you want to be on the inside and have people respect you on the outside? The next example is ethics over personal gain. So these are managers who have the courage to follow ethics over personal gain by way of example in setting the standards to be known for within the organisation. So. Glenn ran a team of senior advertising sales professionals, and any customers that grew into large value accounts from the local sales channel got transferred into this team to be managed uh, going forward. One particular customer valued at around £60,000 per annum hadn't paid a single invoice in 12 months since signing up with the company. Glenn was advised by his sales director that his team could renew the business for the coming year even though the finance department was up in arms about it. So Glenn questions the ethics behind the conflicting approach, bearing in mind the company is carrying bad debt and it hurts profitability. Quote, we're only responsible for the sales, so you can re-sign the customer and report the revenues against your targets, unquote, said the sales director. Glenn decided to meet the customer with his account manager, gives them the opportunity to pay at least some of the debt to show willing, and subject to an agreed payment plan on the old debt, be able to continue with some advertising in future publications. And here's what happened. No money was forthcoming, so Glenn cancelled all future advertising for this customer. It didn't stop his team from meeting their sales quota, or the account manager in fact, but it still impacted on the level of overachievement. Which meant Glenn was out of pocket by £600 based on his overachievement bonus structure. Finance used this as an example to gain more power within the business so that sales couldn't just ride roughshod over ethical practices. And importantly, Glenn's team set an example of acting like true professionals, not the greedy, self serving kind of people that some believe sales are. My question to you is if you find yourself in a compromising situation, you have to ask yourself is the short term gain really worth the inner pain over the long term? The next example is called Commit To. So these are managers who have the courage to commit to their convictions and a cause or purpose, if you like, but one that's far bigger than themselves or their team. So Stuart joins a, a startup business unit within a major corporation as head of sales and he recruits a a team to take on two dominant market leaders. Contrary to the norm, he hires account managers considered as over the hill by these two competitors, and he fights off pressure from his bosses to hire young guns, younger people, more energetic account managers. He sticks to his convictions because it's based on his experience rather than listening and buckling to the pressure from his bosses who don't have that experience, uh, but just theoretical Opinions. So he goes ahead and hires the old guns, if you like, but with them he paints a picture of creating the most professional and successful team of its kind in the industry. A tight group of renegade groundbreakers. He'll be recognised for their achievements. The result: these over-the-hill account managers take the market by storm. They generate nearly 18 million pounds in annual revenues within just three years. They take over position as number two in the market and make a big dent in the market share of number one, receiving CEO recognition with a a one-off award for outstanding contribution to the business. Added to that, people in other sales channels were knocking in their door to try and join the team. Last and not least, uh, because this is an example of a lack of courage, but this example is called Apologise. These are managers who have the courage to say, I'm sorry and mean it, or I was wrong and correct it. So, the example is MD of a marketing agency who has major issues with staff turnover and continually loses good people, including two people who left to set up in competition. Exit interviews are conducted and feedback on the MD has been scathing. So, he hires Claire a culture change consultant and part of the advice Claire gave was to hold staying interviews with the staff to get a wider view and help in diagnosing the real problems uh, within the business rather than just leaving interviews after people have already left. And this is what happened. The staying interviews uh, were just a scathing uh, and the MD is deemed to be the single biggest reason that people want to leave. And people were telling uh, Claire that because they feel undervalued, underappreciated, overworked and overlooked in terms of work-life balance. This feedback is diplomatically shared with the MD. He's shocked but open to suggestions because of the loss of staff. Uh, it's proving very stressful with workloads, client delivery and costs of hiring and training new members of staff spiralling out of control. Advice from Claire included holding one-to-ones and small group meetings to effectively apologise and outline how the MD could work with staff to improve working conditions under him. Although open to suggestions, the MD didn't follow the advice. Claire was let go, staff turnover continued, client relationships were compromised, profitability was impacted, and the MD maintained his stress levels. And this is what happens When a manager or so-called business leader lacks courage, everybody loses. Ego or ignorance is what gets in the way. So My question is, would you be able to put either of those aside and be the bigger person that gains respect from the people that matter, i.e. those you rely on to get the results you need? All of these examples demonstrate that there are consequences to courage, or lack of it, i.e. cowardice. And as human beings, we don't really need to be told what's right from wrong, do we? It's instinctive in all of us. Having the courage to do the right thing, though, is not always easy. And especially if the power of authority uh, from above makes the pressure unbearable. And believe me when I say that i felt it plenty of times. And at these times, you will inevitably question yourself. But doing something on the uh, outside that's inconsistent with how you feel on the inside It's just not worth it and at worst it can affect your self-esteem and your self-respect as well as the respect and loyalty of those you lead. With this in mind, I'd be interested to hear about the biggest acts of courage you've experienced in the workplace or that you've demonstrated yourself. So please comment or drop me a line at at reespie.com. That said, if you like this podcast or any of my other podcasts, then why not take a look at my website and uh, check out my online course personal leadership psychology um, my other podcasts and audio blogs and also my playbook uh, personal leadership mastery uh, that said uh, i can use that that said quite a lot don't i but that said uh, i hope you like the podcast and i'll see you next time we'll speak to you next time take care bye Oh, 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 oh,